Good morning, everybody, and welcome to worship. We do have a number of visitors. Um, you probably, if you were here, saw the kind of housekeeping stuff going around on the screen. But just to say, we usually stand up to sing the hymns, but if you prefer to sit down, that is absolutely fine. Just join in to the extent that you feel comfortable. There's no thou shalt about anything. And if small people need to get up and wander around as they're in for the whole time, that is absolutely fine. Just do what you need to do. And if big people need to get up and wander around because they've got backache or leg ache or whatever, that's fine too. But we are here on this day of Harvest Thanksgiving to worship God. Some words from the prophet Isaiah. This is the kind of fasting I have chosen. To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. It is to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood. If you do these things, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and God will say, here I am. And now let's come to God in prayer. (coughs) Loving God, on this Harvest Thanksgiving Sunday, we want to thank you for the good things that you give to us. For the people we live with, for the homes we live in, for the clothes we wear, for the food we eat. Today, we also want to say thank you for those who provide our food. For the fishermen out at sea. For the farmers and growers. For the people who work in factories and shops. For those who make meals in restaurants, hotels and hospitals. On this Harvest Thanksgiving Sunday, we say thank you. Forgiving God, on this Harvest Sunday, we know that we also need to say sorry. Sorry for the times that we have been greedy. Sorry for the food that we have wasted. Sorry for choosing the cheapest when that means that people or animals or both are ill-treated. Today, we know that you forgive us and will help us to do better. To take only what we need and not to waste what we have. To be grateful for all the choices of food that we have in this nation. To think about the way our choices affect people and animals throughout the world. On this Harvest Sunday, we choose to start afresh walking in the steps of Jesus, our Saviour, 
and our friend. Amen. Leviticus chapter 25, verses 8 to 28. That's page 125 of the Old Testament section in the Church Bible. <clears throat> Here God is giving instructions to Moses for the people of Israel. Count seven times seven years, a total of 49 years. Then on the tenth day of the seventh month, the Day of Atonement, send someone to blow a trumpet throughout the whole land. In this way, you shall set the 50th year apart and proclaim freedom to all the inhabitants of the land. During this year, all property that has been sold shall be restored to the original owner or the descendants, and any who have been sold as slaves shall return to their families. You shall not plant your fields or harvest the grain that grows by itself or gather the grapes in your unpruned vineyards. The whole year shall be sacred for you. You shall eat only what the fields produce of themselves. In this year, all property that has been sold shall be restored to its original owner. So when you sell land to an Israelite or buy land, do not deal unfairly. The price is to set be set according to the number of years the land can produce crops before the next year of restoration. If there are many years, the price shall be higher. But if there are only a few years, the price shall be lower because what is being sold is the number of crops the land can produce. Do not cheat an Israelite, but obey the Lord your God. Obey all the Lord's laws and commands, so that you may live in safety in the land. The land will produce its crops, and you will have all you want to eat, and will live in safety. But someone may ask you what there will be to eat during the seventh year, when no fields are planted and no crops gathered. The Lord will bless the land in the sixth year, so that it will produce enough food for two years. When you plant your fields in the eighth year, you will still be eating what you harvested during the sixth year, and you will have enough to eat until the crops you plant that year are harvested. Your land mustn't be sold on a permanent basis, because you do not own it. It belongs to God, and you are like foreigners who are allowed to make use of it. When land is sold... The right of the original owner to buy it back must be recognised. If any of you Israelites become poor and are forced to sell your land, your closest relative is to buy it back. If you have no relative to buy it back, you may later become prosperous and have enough to buy it back yourself. In that case, you must pay to the one who bought it a sum that will make up for the years remaining until the next year of restoration, when you would in any event recover your land. But if you do not have enough money to buy the land back, it remains under the control of the one who bought it until the next year of restoration. In that year, it will be returned to its original owner. Quite a long reading from the book of Leviticus. Not perhaps the most uh, popular book for preaching and reading, in worship, but this is the reading that was recommended by Operation Agri for this morning. So here's a question for all of us. Would we dare to do it? Could that year of restoration ever become a reality? 
it's a real question because there is no historical evidence to suggest that that was ever done. There is no mention in the Bible of the year of Jubilee being marked. Now, that silence doesn't mean that it never was marked, but it seems to me something so radical that it's surprising that it is never, ever mentioned again as we go on through the story of God's people. So is it just a pipe dream? Is it just some kind of utopian idea? Is it just totally nonsense? And in any case, what on earth would it look like in a 21st century global context? Because this was a command given to an agricultural people and one nation, to a tribal people who could, in theory, have made this happen. It wouldn't quite work in the world of which we are part with this complicated international economy. Somewhere along the line, this jubilee principle has got distorted and it's fascinating to me that this is called the Jubilee of Operation Agri. Next year will be the Diamond Jubilee of the Queen of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. So apologies to the uh, Republicans and whatever to the Royalists on that one. But these things have become very much about celebration. Jubilee is a cause for celebration. Lots of people will be having parties next year, whatever their views on royalty, when we get to the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Somehow we've lost this idea about restoration, about making things fair, and it's all become about parties and celebration. And, you know, I think if we're honest, harvest can become much more about a festival as a feast and and fun than about God's faithful provision and us being grateful. It's fantastic, isn't it, to see this table groaning under cans of food and packets of food. It's lovely to have the Brazilian honey cake that I baked at four o'clock this morning when my cat woke me up and some coffee. It's lovely to have the rice. But are we really, really understanding what it means to be grateful to those? Because, you know, I think sometimes we get more bothered about which hymns we sing and don't sing than what it is we're actually marking. We can become more concerned about having a good time than recognising our dependence on people in Uganda and Thailand and Brazil and Malawi and in the rural parts of Scotland for what we have. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not setting out to be a misery guts and a killjoy here. I, I had a lovely meal out yesterday and I enjoy a good thing. I even enjoy a good bit of nostalgia. But there is something about this day that ought to take us a bit deeper than that. As we think about what this year of restoration is about. And I'm kind of a little bit cautious in talking about that because the reality is that here today are going to be people who have big mortgages or other loans that they have to pay And they need to work hard in order to service those loans. So the idea of taking a year off, which is in that reading, is not a possibility. Unless those who happen 
not to lead through that, are prepared to dig in their pockets and pay all the mortgages and loans for a year. So for most of us, that Leviticus ideal is not literally possible. And yet we, who are citizens of a wealthy Western world, have an awful lot of privileges. And as disciples of Jesus, we have a responsibility to keep going the work that he began 2,000 years ago. We remember when he was at Nazareth, he said, the spirit of the living Lord God is upon me. He has told me to bring good news to the poor, to announce the year of the Lord's favour, effectively the year of Jubilee. So what, quickly, might that mean in practical terms for us? Well, anybody who knows their Jewish calendar will know that we have just gone through the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, on Thursday, and that Yom Kippur, the Jewish Day of Atonement, is next Saturday. And in that 10-day period, traditionally, there are three things that Jewish people do which I think are useful pointers for us this harvest. The first one of those is repentance, which we could perhaps think as being about reconciliation and release. Who is it that we need to put ourselves right with? Who is it that we have offended, or who has offended us, that we need to go and and rebuild the relationship with? Because that is part of what repentance is about. That is part of what jubilee and release is about. And that's what good, devout Jews will be doing at the moment. They'll be thinking who's upset them, or who they've upset this year, and they will be putting that right. The second one is fasting, which usually people think of abstaining from food. If you're a good Jew and you're married, you'll be abstaining from something else for the next 10 days. But we have children present, so I can't say what that is. But it's about a whole of life abstention. It's an attitude of mind and heart, not just about missing a few meals. But what is it that we could be abstaining from in order to better prepare ourselves to serve the world of which we are a part. And the third one is prayer. Prayer which needs to be more than just words that we say, but actually the lives we live. And that's really all I want to say this morning. That the day of the year of Jubilee, the year of the Lord's favour, comes about when we get this right. When we repent of what needs to be let go of, when we set one another free, when we set our neighbours in other countries free, when we set creation free. It comes about when we get our fasting right, and that's why I read that passage from Isaiah. The fasting that God wants is to release the cords of, of injustice, to break down the barriers, to share food with the hungry, to provide shelter for the homeless. And then the day of the Lord comes about when our prayer becomes part of our lives. So what is it that God says to each one of us today? On this day of thanksgiving, on this day of celebration, how do we play our part in declaring the year of the Lord's Jubilee? Very short prayer. God of Jubilee, who in Christ reconciles all things to yourself, 
Lead us from silent pondering to lived action. As we play our own small part in the inbreaking of your kingdom of Shalom. Amen. We're going to have our prayers for other people now, and these are adapted from the Operation Agri material. So let's just be quiet if we can, and be still as we bring our prayers to God. God of Harvest, we look back over the years of work by Operation Agri and by Glasgow City Mission, and we thank you. We thank you for all the lives that have been changed through the support given. For the mission workers who have worked faithfully in many different places. For the trustees who give of their time and skill to these organisations. For the churches and individuals whose gifts and prayers achieve so much. As we look to the year ahead, we pray that Operation Agri and Glasgow City Mission will continue to be able to respond to requests for help. That new people will emerge with understanding and skills to continue the work so faithfully carried out. That those who give and those who serve would be open to learning from those among whom they work. And that each one of us would be alert to your call on our lives. We pray also for the Malawi Kitchen Rice Project, for Just Trading Scotland and Christian Aid, as they seek to work for justice for the poorest of the poor. That farmers will be paid a fair price for their labours and for their crops. That children and young people will be enabled to have access to good education. That the wider needs of clean water, sanitation and healthcare will be met. Help us to be aware of the implications our choices have on other people. Help us to avoid simplistic or selfish ideas of justice and to recognise that every choice we make has a consequence. And we pray for those closer to home who at this time need your loving touch to restore or to refresh those whose bodies or minds are damaged by illness or injury, those whose relationships are strained or broken, those who are bewildered bewildered by what they see or experience, those who have lost their way and long to rediscover it. Today, we especially give you thanks for the life of Kerr, we pray that your loving arms will surround his wife Betty, his daughter Fiona, his son Graham, and their wider families, that you will be their comfort and strength in this time of separation. At this time of harvest, when we give thanks for the past, grant that we may find sufficient for our needs in the months ahead, physically, emotionally, intellectually, and spiritually. Guide us and guard us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen.